This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. I'm trying to make it sound a bit better on my end. I think it does. Yeah, like basically I'm trying to stop the echo. Fuck, like you need to edit this out for like me confronting my fears of actually talking to a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> so of the many ghosts in the room, I do want to at this point apologise for the fact that we're still working our way through some sound issues with the pod as we, you know, confront this new reality of living the same spooky night, but in different houses and not in, you know, the confines of the FBI studio. So I guess usually on the mics at FBI, this sounds amazing, but I hope this still sounds good when I do this. Oh, Oh. (laughs) I, I don't know. I don't know if you could hear that under under this uh, muslin blanket that I'm recording under in the spare room that's now been dubbed my office, as is the new reality for everyone working from home. But I just opened a stubby of rashes that was donated to the pod. By whom? All right, all right. Now, Pete, let me walk you through. Let me walk you through what's happening. Okay, okay, okay. okay. So, Talk to me. It looks so, so good. Spick- oh my god, it's delicious. What am I drinking here? This it's like it's not rashes, so it's disgusting. But um, <laughs> the part, it's a skin, it's a skin contact semi-on from um off the dome. How much more disgusting is the fact that you're drinking wine rather than a delicious ice cold <laughs> rashes right now? It's super, super gross. And I just saw you have another <laughs> sip, and I was like, mwah, 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 <laughs> because we're trying to support all these local breweries and local businesses at like, the moment around the house, we've got like 6.8% like dick holders lug, double lug. It's <laughs> just like disgusting, like hyper sweet, hyper bitter, hyper booze. Like it's just, you know, it just sucks. And it's like fucking beard munches IPA, 9% alcohol. <laughs> it's just not yum. It's just not yum to drink. So once you have a delicious rashes, it's... um. Look, it's breaking my heart partly, but it's bringing joy to my heart to see you enjoy it, though. It's good. All right. Well, well, look, let me step in. So this was part of a case that was sent to us by a friend of the pod, Rob, who in episode 21 suggested Drag Me to Hell Mm. as a film. So he's been with us from the get-go. And he's done in this, our 37th episode, more than Rashes have done despite all the free promotion we've been giving them over this time, right? Jack, in your professional opinion, do they have a marketing budget? 
do they have a comp budget to send out just a few free beers, a few hundred bucks a month? Peach, let me get to that because uh, I'm building up to a point here and, you know, this delicious rashes is helping me get there. <laughs> so let, let's first of all talk about Rob, right? So Rob at the moment is an essential worker. He's essentially working seven days a week, working for the government, dealing with this whole COVID thing. He has a young family as well. He has a working partner and somehow managed to send us a case of rashes. Somehow amidst all of that, amidst everything that's happening, managed to send us a case of rashes to, you know, fulfill, you know, what we've been trying to do with this podcast, besides obviously get you over your fear of scary movies, which at this point is probably well and truly gone. But, you know, we'll keep up with the pretense because it's a fun thing to do. And it's a good way for us to, you know, actually speak, you know, once a week. So he's managed to do that. Resh's haven't. It just got me thinking, you know, because you, you make a good point. Of course they have a marketing budget. You're absolutely right. It's a fun question, but it's an absolute true answer that of course they do. And I realized the problem is we've been attacking it the wrong way. And I've been letting you do all the heavy lifting when I work in the industry and I should know how to do this. So Peach, I've got the solution, right? Currently, I have a whole bunch of clients who aren't, doing badly in this situation and in fact are doing quite well and generally those clients make food they work in you know delivery logistics they work in teleconferencing there's a lot of companies that are actually thriving right now their stocks are going up they can't keep their products on the shelf i'm not saying rushes are one of them but people are drinking more than they used to so rushes are probably in a good situation right now what i know about those clients because i work with a lot of them is they come to agencies like mine and go the world has changed People expect more from brands than just to make a funny ad. People expect brands to do something and we want to help. We want to do something good. So at the moment, I should, this is absolutely true. I'm not going to name the brands, but I'm working on three different brands where the brief is literally, we've got a budget. We want to do something good. What good can we do, right? So I'm guessing Reshes are at that point as well. So... Here's, here's where we come in. Okay, so FBI, like we're fine. We can record this podcast for nothing. And we do because we enjoy it. But thankfully, this we don't have to put it out. like $42. <laughs> but, but, but here's the deal. Here's the deal, right? Mm. So FBI right now isn't one of those organizations that are doing well. And in fact, they're doing quite poorly because half of the money FBI needs to run comes from supporters. The other half comes from sponsorships from the sort of places that are out of money right now, from music, from touring, from all of those places that make sense for FBI. So FBI are really struggling. So what I'm proposing is Reshes should sponsor our show, but sponsor it in a way that they give a donate, maybe a one-off donation, maybe an ongoing donation to FBI, and what do they get out of it? They get us talking about rushes. And here's the coolest thing. We've been doing it. We've yeah, been doing it for about got it. 30 They've already got it. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. So, so, Pete, so, Pete, what I want you to do is, because it sounds forced if I ask you to do it now, but at the end of today's episode, I need you to tie it back to how delicious and not not tie it back to what I just said, just tie it back to how delicious and refreshing that episode was like having a rushes is and how much you wish you were having a rushes right now rather than supporting local business. Can you do that? <laughs> Fuck local business. I'm <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So 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 
And I guess the other thing is, you know, why, you know, you'd want to support FBI is this podcast. I was listening back to some earlier episodes and look, uh, content still 10 out of 10. We're still, Do they sound just as still... good? Do they sound just as clear? Or have we learned a few tricks along the way to make it sound? Oh, look, there's a lot less dropouts in uh, in the early ones. It's just, you know, like once we're all back in a studio, hopefully there'll be a studio for us to go back to record into. Mm. So look, Gauntlet Throne, we've already got 37 episodes of Rush's promo. And we could even put like a little thing at the front being like, you know, this podcast was sponsored by Rushes. And, you know, like, I don't know, like there's so many extra things we could already do to, yeah, anyway. So that's my thought. Peach, it's, it's in your hands. I'm a little bit once bitten, twice shy, I must say. I feel like for coming on 37 episodes now, <laughs> I've, been, I've been doing the heavy lifting in the relationship between me and Reshes, us and Reshes. And I feel like the idea of maybe we should do a bit more, I'm just a little <laughs> bit... <laughs> I get it, Peach, Peach, I get it, I get it. And in the past, I was happy to whatever. Right now, I'm like... This is about it's FBI now. World. Yep, okay, cool. This is a new world. This is about FBI. I've given them a reason. And, and in fact, this saves them going to an agency, being like, we got a, we got a couple of grand. We yep. want to send it somewhere. And they would have to pay that agency to come up with an idea. This is a free idea. Like, this is more free stuff we're giving them. Man, I hope you're not throwing your very own industry under the bus as a kind of middleman type industry. Um, because it's not. You guys do valuable work. But, yeah, that's right. If they threw two grand at FBR, I would wear a red... I would, I would do heaps of things. <laughs> but the uh, thing is, you would do it. You would do it happily because we've already been doing it for free. It's like, not even made point. up. I, I like <laughs> drinking it. I like being associated with it. it anyway, all right. Wayne's World style. Like, I'm about... Like, this doesn't even count as selling out because it is a part of my value system. <laughs> I like Reshes. <laughs> right. I legitimately do. And what others okay. like it too. All right. So this is a podcast about helping you get over your fear of scary movies. <laughs> and, and all right, like we, we talked about one essential worker tonight, friend of the pod, Rob. Yeah. What's up, Rob? I want to talk about another Mally who had a suggestion based on something you said last week about the fact that you're not really scared by anything because all you can think about is COVID right now. And that's all you care about. And so it's like, what does the boogeyman, what does Paymon really have to scare you when life is actually super scary right now, right? This is very consistent and convenient with my view of like, what's up, Paymon? Yeah, yeah, what's up? Oh, yeah, <laughs> so, so look, so look, uh, I just want to give a shout out to Mally because this was a super sick idea. So instead of going, like I wanted to go goofy 80s again, but I instead I thought... I would go to something that's quite related to what we're going through now. Uh, the movie we're going to talk about today is about, a con it's not contagion, but it's about a contagion that gets let loose in a confined space and then lots of gore uh, ensues. This is it's Rick. Also We've already done Rick. I'm looking forward to it. It's not Rick Redux. Talking about you starting beef with Paymon, this film is directed by, I think... Uh, unless it was Clyde Barker that you first started beef with, one of the earliest beef, uh, beef, uh, beef, beef ease, beef, <laughs> whatever, whatever the word is for the people, the, the, yeah. the word for the person you started beef with. Victims. One yeah. of the, 
One of the one of the victims of your beef starting. This one's directed by Eli Roth. The fuck from, uh... you, Eli Roth. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. Let's dance. It's from 2002. It's called Cabin Fever. She's sick. I'm not dying like that. What are we dying? I don't infect everyone. No, any one of you could have it. Them kids got disease. The cattle get sick. You gotta kill it before it spreads the rest of her. Like, uh, I, I, I'm an experienced sexual partner, right? And <laughs> We've covered this. Never before have I mistaken um, um, uh, the sexual organs of the human body for painful wounds, the result of a virus. That was, that was really upsetting. I got pretty upset then and I've remained upset since. Shame. Uh, that was a pretty upsetting, that was pretty upsetting. Anytime we do an Eli Roth film, remember that nothing he shows <laughs> is worse than what the news was showing during the Iraq war. So, I they mean, that's showing it's, stacks it's on you, really. sexual interaction with wounds. <laughs> with wounds. That was what the Iraq war was mainly about. But Eli Roth is a bad bloke. He's just a 10 out of 10 bad bloke. He's not a good guy. <laughs> All uh, right, so let's see this film. Let's see this film. This is Cabin Fever, 2002. Uh, look, I think more important than shouting out Reshes is shouting out anyone who would socialise or spend time with Eli Roth. Just don't. And be like, mm, the reason I'm not is because you're just bad. You're just, you're just not good for the world. People who were friends with Eli Roth, I'm pretty sure Quentin Tarantino was a friend of Eli Roth. <laughs> don't be friends with him either. <laughs> <laughs> Too. Yeah, so, like, I'm pretty sure they're both cancelled, are they not? I, I, I've got a feeling that everyone, like after COVID, everyone who was cancelled comes out of it's like It's like starting a new game plus. Everyone comes out of oh, here shoot. uncancelled. But now pretty sure that's what's going to happen. Which is a bit scary because it was like, oh, <laughs> oh, man. We had an okay Pope for like 20 minutes. Actually, that's a really good point. I think the Catholic Church is finally properly cancelled, which is a shame because... <laughs> It's taken a few uh, okay. hundred years. Okay. All right. Cabin Fever, 2002. A hermit walking in the woods encounters his dog who has died of a bloody infection. And the hermit himself becomes infected. Lots has happened in that sentence. Lots of supremely <laughs> unlikely things have happened in that <laughs> sentence. But, but here we are. Here we find ourselves. I also don't know how I feel about the term hermit or what that means. I often think it has sort of connotations of being like a little bit homeless. Yeah. Like I've, I feel like it's a little bit classes, but anyway, look, we're in a post cancelled world. So all of these <laughs> so things don't matter. We can say whatever we want now. We can say whatever the hell we want. We're doing an Eli Roth film. Okay. So college students, Jeff, Marcy, Paul, Karen, and Bert take a vacation to a remote cabin to celebrate spring break. So Bert, who's one of these five students who've gone to celebrate spring break in a remote cabin, which to me feels like a, I mean, I don't understand spring break, but it, it's kind of like schoolies. Like you don't go to an isolated place with only five people. Like you go somewhere very populous. 
but as well, why is it like, guys, we're going to go to a different place to have sex? It's like, we're going to have sex where we are, but don't worry. <laughs> I, I, I just never quite got the idea that, oh, we're in a very wowserish college right here and we cannot have sex at college, but don't you worry. So Bert leaves to shoot squirrels, but shoots the now disfigured and bloody hermit. Uh, uh, that's poorly drafted, like by by accident, or, or... <laughs> okay. Well, all right, cool. Despite the hermit's pleas, Bert flees and remains silent about the incident. So he leaves an injured, dying, shot. Hermit Who he shot himself. Alive, but pleading for his support and love. Yeah. Right. And remain silent about the incident. Is this another auteur work from Eli? Did Eli write this? Yeah. And somebody called Randy Perlstein. Can I also shout out all the very American names in the cast and crew? Like, so in the 90s, I'm pretty sure it was either the late 80s or the 90s, there's this story about a Japanese company, I think Konami, who are a video game company, creating a sports game. And this is pre you know, people getting licenses for all the international teams. So they had to invent all these American names. Yeah. And all the American names were like Lance Strongman. And like, you know, they were, they were very like lol and outsider's view of what an American name should be. Yeah, everyone, yeah. In, ev- everyone in this film basically has one of them. So there's Ryder Strong, yeah. Jordan Ladd, Joey Kern. And then just to throw this, like, to throw this one into the mix, Giuseppe Andrews as well. So there you go. <laughs> All right, okay, okay, but but look, let's get back to the <laughs> film. Like, I take your point a million percent, especially Giuseppe Andrews. You know, you take the dad's, like, super Anglo surname, but the Italian mum is like, no, 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 we're not calling him Joe, we're not calling him Joseph, <laughs> motherfucker. We're calling him a name from the old country. I'll cut your fucking face. We're calling him Giuseppe. Name one Giuseppe you ever met in our generation. I would love to see that couple on Come Dine With Me. I think, <laughs> I think fireworks would fly when the starters didn't work out the way they wanted. Yeah, yeah. The husband would be like, yeah, it didn't work out the way we want. And the wife goes, oh, the way we want. Hey, yeah, like we did heaps together. Awesome. I the love your favourite gather- shows at the moment are Come Dine With Me and Bluey. It's awesome. oh, dude, Bluey is the best Australian show probably ever made. Uh, yeah, I think it might, it might be. It, it might be. Uh, look, uh, I'm pretty excited about a couple of basketball TikTok accounts at the moment that are just <laughs> doing slam dunks. <laughs> but even though I don't care about basketball, it's just thrilling. You're just watching all these people do <laughs> But either TikTok accounts of people doing slam dunks or Bluey are the greatest uh, form of media around today. Like, Bluey is a kid's show. Every episode goes for seven minutes. The other day, no shit, they had a story that was a metaphor for the journey of life from birth to accepting death in a seven-minute episode for kids. It was phenomenal. And just the things like the production design, even using that phrase, the production design on a children's cartoon is fucking wild. It looks like Brisbane. And speaking of Brisbane, the fact that the dad is played by the same man who sang Girls Like That Don't Go For Guys Like Us blows my mind every time. Like, I read the book about, like, Fruit Bat. Shaggy's in the episode Fruit Bat, right? 
Maybe you have. I don't think I have actually. So, um, Bluey and Bingo don't want to go to bed. Wow, we don't want to go to bed. Oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Bluey finds it tough to go to sleep, so she wanders downstairs sheepishly. Is it all right if I wake up for a bit? And she finds Dad asleep on the ground, uh, cuddling his touch football. And Mum, chilly, she's wrapping her hockey stick. And Bluey's like, what's Dad doing? And she's like, oh, look, he's, he's dreaming of playing touch footy. And Bluey's like, well... I'm getting choked up explaining it. <laughs> Louis like, why is he? Why is he dreaming about it? You know, why is he just out there doing it? And she's like, well, he's got a lot going on in his life. You know, he's working. He's looking after your kids. And you can't play touch footy as much as he used to. And Bluey has this dream where she's a fruit bat and she flies around and she sees her dad playing touch footy with his mates. And she wakes up the next morning to say, Dad, thanks so much for looking after us. And Dad's just like, you're welcome. And it's just this, like, acknowledgement from child to parent that parenting involves prioritising your child in to some extent <laughs> over your own things. And it's become your godson's favourite book. And now every day, because of fucking COVID, which sucks for heaps of us, but I've played touch football for an hour a day, like every day for the last two weeks or so with my children. And it's largely thanks to me and my children. But, you know, the ideas planted by being like, Dad, didn't you play footy? And I was like, yeah, I did. And like, should we play touch footy? And I'm like, yeah. And it remains this moving experience of like that. Thanks for looking after us, even though, you know, it means you don't get to play as much touch footy. Heartbreak. So I'm going to open a rare can of shag beef. So I think the opening scene of Up, far from being this incredibly poignant moment, I think it's so hugely overrated because it's made by people who've never actually experienced any human emotion. They're all on half a million dollars a year to work 90-hour weeks to make these Stepford Wire animations And I think what Bluey does almost every episode is what the intro of Up thinks it's doing. That's why I think Bluey is so fucking amazing. Every episode, every episode, every episode, they basically dance on the corpse of the intro to Up. Every single episode. Fuck you, John Lasseter. Oh, I love it. I love it, Shag. Every time you want it with someone, I can't think of too much other beef you've started on this pod, but I think like John Lasseter was cancelled long ago, but he's now double can- He's now creatively cancelled with that. I love. Well, that. I mean, well, I mean, as Drake said, Fifty told him to ignore the haters and let the money pile up, but he'd rather watch people die, and he's seen a lot of them die. I think post COVID, everybody's under- going to understand that Pixar are fine, but they're not the greatest production company in the history of the world. Anyway, oh. look, we're, we're talking, we're talking, we're talking about cabin fever. We're Sorry. talking about Eli Roth and hermits. Yes, yes, and, <laughs> that's how we got here. All right, okay. So you remember what happened? There's a hermit basically dying because he got shot by a guy called Bert, who mistook him for a squirrel while they're on spring break. All right. So that night, the group gather around a campfire where they're joined by a friendly drifter, again not the best language, named Grim and his pet dog. Dr. Mambo. Good name for a dog, though. Yeah, look, 10 out of 10 name. And, and these, are, <laughs> these are different characters from the... So a hermit and a drifter are now different. Are, are, are they not? Yeah, so the hermit wasn't allowed a name. 
The yeah. drifter is named Grim, and his pet dog is Dr. Mambo. Okay. So when it rains... How's that Rush's shag? It looked really tasty. Oh, Pete, like, it's... I get it. It's delicious. Oh, yeah. And compared to other beers, vastly better. Would that be... <laughs> I think you called it what decoder lager. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many of these ones that's like, yeah, it's super alcoholic, and we've got all the different kinds of hops that taste shit. Is it awesome? <laughs> like, can we not just can we not just being yummy? Like, is that okay? Is it okay? <laughs> nah, man. It's fucking super boozy and gross. How cool is that? <laughs> all right. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. So Grim leaves with his dog to pack up his belongings. While the friends wait for Grim indoors, the hermit returns begging for help. When Bert shuts the door on the sick hermit, Bert is a real cunt. He tries stealing the group's car while vomiting blood. What? Well, uh, Hang on, so the hermit's like, like, please help me. <laughs> yes. And they're like, oh. But he looks really sickly. He looks really sickly. So this is that COVID thing where, it, you know, like if, when people are walking down the street and they see someone cough, they're like recoiling, yeah. you know? They're like, oh, uh, like, I've got coronavirus. Help me, please. Yeah, basically that's what's happening. Yeah, yeah okay. If I was going to relate it to a current event mm. so you can empathise. Yeah, yeah. Right. it would be what the shutdown of the well, English cricket season, I guess, is probably what you'd turn to. Good joke, that one. Did you enjoy that one? The English cricket season <laughs> joke? <laughs> <laughs> Was it a good one? <laughs> so anyway, he tries stealing the group's car while vomiting blood. When the hermit approaches Marcy and Karen, oh, my God, okay. <laughs> Again, I'm, I'm so sorry. Like, I get that we're doing this through Wikipedia, but sometimes you just have to imagine. This is like, you know how Shakespeare didn't really give heaps of stage directions? Wikipedia <laughs> <laughs> synopsis are a bit like that. You've got to imagine what happened. Okay, okay, so he tries to break in the car. Obviously, that doesn't work. He then approaches Marcy and Karen. So Paul accidentally sets him on fire. What's the line? Like, what's the, the mimetic line of that escalated quickly? It's exactly. It's like, whoa, okay. We accidentally set him on fire. And here's the coolest thing about this. Then we cut to the next day. All right. <laughs> While seeking help the next day, Jeff and Bert encounter a butcher, but leave after learning she is the dead hermit's cousin. Okay, so the hermits die. Yes. Paul receives assistance from police deputy Winston. Oh, pardon me. That's a, a burp of appreciation. Yeah. Who promises... <laughs> Bit of rushes escaping out. That's fine. Who promises to send up a tow truck. Paul tries comforting Karen, who is upset over the killing of the hermit. After calming her down, Paul attempts to have sex with her. <laughs> as he re... Oh, oh, Peach, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm no, so sorry. No, is this way fingers? I don't want to hear that. You can't go. Yep, tell me. As he reaches between her legs, it's so good we've already been cancelled for, uh, for the human centipede episode. He discovers an infection that has spread in her groin. The group isolates her in a shed. Well, I love it. She's like, yeah, man, finger the wounds of my groin. <laughs> this is a disease that makes 
the wounds on my groin super aroused. Like, it, this is, like, like, this is problematic. I think, it's your boy. It's your boy, Eli. Oh, Eli. Like, we never confused him with being a good bloke. Like, we were never like, maybe, like, 50 knows. This is uncool. Well, this is what you've been missing out by not watching horror movies. Anyway, okay. <laughs> After fixing the truck, Bert coughs up blood but does not tell the others. So I love that the two symptoms of this disease are number one, you vomit blood, and number two, your, sexy your old Jenny. <laughs> you get sexy groin worms. <laughs> like, that's it. They're the two. Like, I, I, again, I'm no doctor, but I've never heard of a disease like this. But anyway, let's keep going. I wonder if coronavirus would be like this, if it, if it would be a more social disease. Like, hey, just finger the old wounds. Sounds good. Oh, Jesus. You've got to stop saying finger the old wounds. <laughs> That's an Eli Roth stage direction, in fairness. Okay. Bird drives yes, off I after must, I must stop saying finger the old wounds. <laughs> I strongly agree with that advice. <laughs> That's good advice. So Bird drives off after Paul and Jeff discover he has caught the disease. Jeff takes the remaining beer and leaves, terrified of becoming infected. I love that he takes the remaining beer. beer, (laughs) Bird seeks help at a convenience store, but angers the owner after his son, Dennis, bites him. Bert flees, chased by Dennis's father and two friends. At the cabin... Marcy worries that they will all contract the disease. When Paul comforts her, they impulsively have sex. Get it? This is not an impact of coronavirus at our house, just FYI. Okay, Um, that's really good to know. Um, Now, regretting the affair, Paul leaves while Marcy takes a bath crying. Okay, um, I'm, I'm so sorry about this next sentence. As she shaves her legs, the flesh begins to peel off. (coughs) And she runs outside in a panic where she is eaten alive by Drifter Grimm's dog, Dr. Mambo. Like, dogs dogs weigh... Some like a, a medium-sized dog weighs between eighteen and thirty-five kilograms, right? Yes. A medium-sized young woman weighs between what sixty-five and eighty kilograms. Uh, for someone to eat double their body weight, prompt. <laughs> they go, oh, yep, yep, got a gobble, gobble, gobble. That is some disease. <laughs> so sorry. I'm so sorry, bitch. Can we at Eli Roth? Like, can we actually start being like, look, like, can you send him my address? You like, you can send him my contact details and be like, look, Eli, let's have a reshes. Let's sit down together and let's just sort out that you stink and need some advice. Your boy has got you. I've got a nice skin contact semi on here. Got some beautiful fucking free rashes, hopefully, or free from Rob, and we'll sort it out. All right, so Paul discovers the hermit's corpse floating in a reservoir and realises the infection is spreading through the water supply. So that's why the town is going crazy. Racing back to the cabin, Paul finds Marcy's remains and Dr Mambo feeding on carrot. 
After killing Dr. Mambo with Bert's gun, he bludgeons Karen with a shovel out of mercy. A dying Bert returns to the cabin, pursued by Dennis's father and his two companions. The posse shoots and kills Bert, and Paul kills all three of them. Paul looks for Jeff. He instead finds Grimm's corpse. Okay, so every, basically everyone's dead. Paul's the only one left alive. Paul takes the convenience store's truck and, while driving, discovers he's infected before hitting a deer. He reunites with Deputy Winston, who is partying with underage drinkers. <laughs> What's up, underage drinkers? We love you. No, no, Peach. Peach, we're, we're going for the... Oh, Rushes, sorry. Um... <laughs> No, no, uh, uh, underage drinkers, you guys stop that. But when you turn 18, just me and my old mate Rashes, we've got you sorted out. Don't you worry. Stop, stop turning underage. But <laughs> come find us. Do it overage. Right. It could be their new slogan, do it overage. Do it overage. Look, that... <laughs> it's snappy. All right, okay, so... Paul requests a ride to the hospital, but before the group departs, Winston is ordered to kill on site several infected people on a killing spree. With the group turning on him, Paul attacks and infects several of Winston's friends before knocking Winston out. A passing truck drops off Paul at a hospital where he weakly discusses where he caught the disease. The doctors inform the sheriff that Paul must be transferred. Lying in the back of Winston's squad car, Paul unsuccessfully warns him about the contaminated water supply. Winston dumps him at the edge of a creek. Jesus. Okay. So Jeff, who has been hiding out and drinking in the woods, returns to the cabin the next day. Initially crying after seeing the remains of his friends, he becomes ecstatic upon realising he's the only survivor. As he raises his arms in victory, Winston shoots him and burns his body with the others. <laughs> what about yes, I survived. <laughs> At the convenience store, several children sell lemonade, which they have made with the water from the creek pool was dumped in, to the same police officers. A large truck filled with bottles of water taken from the creek can be seen leaving the store. That is dun, the end. Dun, dun. That sucked. Fuck you, Eli Roth. Narrative works. <laughs> like Maintaining interest, shag, surely, is, must be a heart of narrative. That, that's quite a popular film. I think... The gore does a lot of the heavy lifting. It is a very gross film. And for people looking to get grossed out, seeing someone's skin peeling off, seeing a dog eat somebody, seeing people burned alive, that scratches a lot of people's itches. Ugh, it's stuff that takes me down a deep, dark hole that I really need to get refreshed out of. And my favourite way for getting refreshed out of anywhere is to have a nice, delicious sip of Rush's Pilsner. Rush's, it really refreshes. Uh, this was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up?